you know, when you're, when you're at that level to the pressure of um, winning every year, it's sometimes, you know, just, I don't know, it can, it, it can get really, really tough sometimes. And I felt it and the kids felt it. And I tried to not talk about it as much as we possibly could, um, you know, when we were just training and, but it's hard. It's, it's hard. They know, they know when they walk in the door, oh, they're stating, you know, what's going to happen or, you, you know, that, that pressure is really, really tough. It has to be fun. Nobody works three hours a day, six days a week. If it's not fun, if you're not striving to be the best at something, why are you doing it? Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the High School Coaches Club. I'm your host, Max Price. As always, so glad to have you here. The comments, the emails, the shares, the ratings, the DMs. I love hearing from you, and I'm glad you're finding so much value from the amazing guests we get to have on the show. Thanks so much for being part of the club, and a huge thank you to Will Miner and the gang over at Netting Pros for sponsoring the High School Coaches Club. If you need any facility improvements, make them your first call. Not only will they help you design it, but they'll do it all custom for you. They've got you covered for netting, digital graphic wall padding, cubbies, windscreen, ball carts, whatever it is. You name it, they'll do it. They crush the baseball and softball world on a daily basis, but they also get after it in football, soccer, lacrosse, track and field, golf courses, and just about any sport you can imagine, even one that you probably could make up. They're truly making facilities better all across America, providing high-quality products and services for facilities, fields, courses, and stadiums throughout the country, not only at the high school level, but also for recreational, collegiate, and professional sports as well. You can contact them today by calling 844-620-2707, emailing info at nettingpros.com, visiting their website by the same name, obviously, nettingpros.com, or by checking them out on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn for all their latest products and projects. Netting Pros, they're improving programs one facility at a time. In this episode, I'm joined by a coach who helped her dance teams and Hold on for this because this is insane. <laughs> she helped her dance teams win 15 state championships, including 12 in a row, over a 26-year coaching career at two different high schools. Over that time, her teams also finished second in state seven times. I'll save all of you the math problem here. That means that in 26 years as a head coach, her teams did not win the state title or finish in second place only four times. Let that sink in for a minute. As you'll learn in this conversation with Robin Meyer, the longtime Staten High School Highlights head dance coach, there were no shortcuts, but instead a daily focus on the present moment, the constant drilling of the fundamentals, and a commitment to not letting outside pressure and forces derail the program. You're going to love it. So let's do it. Let's dive in. It's episode 73 with Robin Meyer. All right, Robin Meyer, thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me. Yeah, you're just down the road a little bit. You've actually, I haven't told you this, but you're one of the most, when I ask around locally for uh, recommendations, um, you're a name that comes up all the time. Wow, really? Yes. Oh, that's uh, nice. You, You've got a lot of people around here, well, probably all over the state and maybe the country who uh, I've heard about your teams and all this stuff that you've done that is so amazing. And they just, a lot of people rave about you. So I'm excited to talk with you today. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, that's nice to hear. So you had, uh, you know, 26 years or so as a, as a head dance coach and you've been, 
I guess retired is the right word to use. What do you yeah. miss most? What do you, what is it that um, you kind of uh, miss more than anything else? Um, you know, a lot of things, the, the, the days in the gym, hanging out with the kids and, and, you know, just seeing their growth and on a daily basis, that, that always was just, you know, kind of, um, a high and, and, um, loved watching that. I think to the adrenaline rush, you know, when you coach for a long time, anybody who coaches that, you know, when it's like, you know, game day and go time and competition, I loved it. I thrived on that. So, um, that was, you know, that that's, I miss that. Yeah, for sure. Have you found anything that even comes close to resembling that adrenaline rush? Oh, uh, no. I mean, no. that's really hard to <laughs> to duplicate, you know. Um, but it, I did it for so long that I just, you know, it, it does exhaust you, you know, after that many years, too. So I'm I'm still kind of, I feel like, almost recovering <laughs> from 25 <laughs> years of that adrenaline go, 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 go kind of lifestyle. Yeah. Let's go back to your own kind of high school experience. So um, when you were in high school, first off, where did you go? And and then secondly, what, what sports or, or, or activities were you kind of involved in? And what was that experience like for you? Um, in high school, I was, I was a dancer. I was on um, dance team and I went to Staten, which is where I there finished my, my career. So kind of full circle. Um, and I, you know, was on um, their team won a state championship in high school. My senior year, um, was selected to their all-star team and that kind of thing. And and that's when I started not coaching, but I did my, my coach was great that year and she let me get involved in actually, um, the choreography and kind of the, the staging of our state routine. And so that's kind of where, you know, she trusted me. And so it kind of lit a fire there to, see the other side of it, not just the um, athlete side of being a dancer, but the coaching side. So bug kind of got me then. Did you carry that bug with you? How long did it take till you ended up kind of becoming a coach per se? Um, so when I graduated, I, you had, I started actually judging. Um, I was 21. You had to wait three years um, when you were out of high school. And so I went through the judging program and was certified. And I, I judged for about five years and well, constantly. And then I, um, I started coaching at 26, I think I was, mm-hmm. and, um, still kind of dabbled in the, the judging area. And then it just got too much because your time didn't allow me to do both. So, um, but that's kind of how it started. So I got a good feel for what, you know, judges were looking for, um, being on that judging side and understanding the score sheet and understanding what they were looking for. And so that really did help me moving into the coaching side of it. And then in your first year and correct me if I'm wrong, but 1995 and you're earning year one, this is hard to imagine, but I just think of all the things that people like I, I became a head coach, I think at the same age, I think I was 26 or so, but um, mm-hmm. you, you don't really know what you don't know sometimes as a head coach, right. especially the, <laughs> especially like the, I'm just seeing like the fundraising, like all the, the nonsense oh, that maybe yeah. doesn't involve actually yeah. like coaching things. But um, right. you took over in 1995, you're 26 and you, your team gets a fourth place trophy in year one, which ironically is one of the lowest finishes you ever had in your career, which is insane to think about. Yeah. But yeah. What were some of those things when you first walked in in 1995 that maybe you didn't realize that you did not know? 
Oh man, the list is pretty endless. <laughs> um, I didn't know anything of the the backside of coaching, the not fun stuff, the paperwork, like you said, the fundraising, dealing with parents, um, dealing with administration is was crazy to me. Like I had I had no idea. Just just trying to navigate how do I have gym time? How do I book that? Mm. How do I um even enter a a competition. I, I knew nothing. I just said, oh, this is really fun and it looks neat. And oh, I think I want to do this. And I just kind of um an old state and coach actually approached me and said, Hey, McKay High School is looking for a head coach. Would you be interested? And I just sure. And I didn't know what I was doing, but figured it out, I guess. I mean McKay had not placed or even been in the finals in in years. And then when we got that fourth place, it was literally like a gold medal for everybody. We were so excited and so happy. So it just kind of, it, it went from there. But I think you learn as you go. You know, you, like you said, you don't know what you don't know. And um, I really reached out to other coaches who I respected and were very respected in our dance community. And I just, you know, there's no ego. There's when you don't know. And when you first start out, you can't have that. You have to just say, look, I know nothing. Can you show me, teach me? And they were so um, welcoming and, and offering me help. And they, you know, that was my lifeline was, was experienced coaches. Can you recall during maybe not the first year, but during those first handful of years, any like lessons that you learned along the way or or maybe even some advice that maybe one of those mentor coaches gave you that you ended up taking with you throughout your career? Um yeah, I mean, I just the hard work of of these coaches and um trying to not take well, yeah, trying to not take it personally when, you know, kids get upset with you or parents get upset with you and knowing that what you are doing is not for specifically one child. It is for everybody on that team and always putting team first rather than the loudest voice in the room with parents or anything like that. You you just have to kind of tune that out and you're not going to always be everyone's favorite or cup of tea, but you have got to make sure that you maintain, um, you know, the team aspect of it and, and, um, not play favorites, um, just really, and stay the course, you know, it's, it's a long process and success doesn't come overnight. You've got to just keep moving, go to the basics a lot. One of these one coaches who, um, super successful, she just said, you've got to make sure that you are training them from the ground level. So don't expect you can throw, you know, these ridiculous things at them. You've got to teach them. And so, you know, just um, summer stuff, which they were not accustomed to um, at McKay or anything like that. But I started training them during the summer once a week. And that really, that really helped. Um but, you know, just having tough skin, I think <laughs> a, a very veteran coach told me that you just got to have tough skin, Robin, because it's, you know, you're going to get a lot of people in your face and it's not going to be fun all the time. But, you know, hold your ground, stay the course. And, you know, that was that was really good advice for me back then. One of the uh, 
articles that was written about you. I think it was when you're entering your final season a couple of years ago. Um, you had a great quote in there where you said, uh, the last 25 years have been countless hours of hard work, blood, sweat, and tears. A lot of tears. <laughs> and so uh, oh, yeah. were those mostly tears on your side or uh, tears on the side of the children who you were <laughs> making cry? <laughs> um, you know, I that would probably be both. <laughs> I mean, I tried to save mine for when I got home, but um, there were a lot of tears in that gym on, on both sides. But I, I was tough. I'm not going to lie. You know, I was, you know, they used to call me the drill sergeant. I was very, very tough and I had very high expectations, but I never expected them to give more, do more, be more than I was willing to give. You know, I always made sure I was the first one in the gym, last one to leave. Um, you know, I did my homework all the time, made sure I was prepared for, um, practices every day. We always had a game plan. This is what we're doing today. This is what we're going to get accomplished. And um, I I just always made sure I was doing my job and I expected them to do theirs too. And, you know, when you're, when you're at that level to the pressure of mm-hmm. um, winning every year, it, it, it's sometimes, you know, just, I don't know. It can it, it can get really really tough sometimes, and I felt it, and the kids felt it, and I tried to not talk about it as much as we possibly could. Um, you know, when we were just training, and but it's hard. It's it's hard. They know. They know when they walk in the door. Oh, they're stating. You know, what's going to happen, or you, you know that that pressure is really really tough. Yeah, so you were at McKay for five, six years, then at Staten for 20. Just so yes. people listening kind of get a chance to understand the winning pressure thing. I'm going to read off a bunch of years. And every year I'm about to read is a state championship that your team's won. 1999, 2003, 2004, 2005, 2006, 2007, 2008, 2009, 2010, 2011, 2012, 2013, 2014, 2017, 2019, and then the insane thing, that's crazy enough. Like that's, you can't, <laughs> yeah. that's, it's just dumb, really. <laughs> then you add in uh, seven second place finishes. So during your 26 years as a head coach, 22 times either as a state champion or a second place finisher. So when you're talking about pressure, I think a lot of people that might listen to this conversation will be like, oh, I'm sure there's some pressure, but um, like that's impossible to create that kind of pressure. I think yeah. of any other program because, like you said, when they walk in the door, they there's this probably unsaid thing, and maybe it's not. You can correct me. Maybe you have talked about it, but you know, if you're walking in the door in 2014, let's say, and there's been you know 13 or 12 state championships before that, you know, and yeah. there's probably this feeling of like if we don't win a state title here in 2014, everyone's going to look at us like we failed, and that's insane. Right. It, it is. 2014 just happened to be my my youngest daughter's senior year too. So right, there you go. that you know, and she was <laughs> an added bonus to that. Yeah. Oh my gosh, yeah. It, it was just a lot. When my kids were on the team too, I, I I felt even more pressure just because of the mom thing too. But um, yeah, the pressure was crazy, and um, you know, you're not well liked, I guess I could say by most, they just want to beat you. And I get that that is competition, you know, and I'm, I'm a competitor. So I fully understand that. Um, but you know, yeah, everybody would love to see somebody else win, I'm sure. So, you know, you don't have a, a ton of friends in there, but, um, it's, it's, it's rough on the kids. I tried to 
to to you know keep it as low pressure as I possibly could. But that's it's it's impossible, really. They feel it. Well, you mentioned earlier uh, when we were talking about crying, you were saying that you know a lot of them kind of referred to your thought of you as a drill sergeant, and I think yeah. it's probably good for us to get into because um, a lot of people like me are coaches that involve a ball, and when you add a ball into the the sport, it's it's different because there's variation, there's a lot of change. But you know, yes. I, I'm thinking like as a if as a baseball coach, for example, like a pitcher one pitcher is going to look very different from another. They're going to throw the ball differently. They're going to, it's going to be very different and their outcomes are different. It's it's just very different. So when you look back and kind of think through the dance world and, and talking about being a drill sergeant and the basics, can you get into that a little bit of like maybe helping coaches who've never been in that environment, understand (laughs) what the, what the outcome is or the goal is and why being a drill sergeant probably is a very big reason why you guys won so many state championships. Um, yeah, I probably could relate it to like, you know, I'm sure, you know, basketball, we, we would always usually get the, the gym after them and, you know, and they would always be doing the free throws at the end of practice. And you had, you know, you wanted to get so many of those and it was just kind of one of those drills they did or running lines or whatever. Um, my oldest daughter was very much into basketball, so that's why I know basketball. <laughs> but, um, you know, that's it, it's those those skills, those daily skills. So in in dance, you would have um, different skills that you would want to uh, perfect daily. And we would take like an hour of our. We usually had three hour practices every day. So our, the first hour of that was was strictly technique and working on core skills. Um, turns and leaps and jumps and stretching that you have to be, you know, very, very flexible in the dance world um, to be successful. So that was a big part of it. But to drill those, those skills over and over and over on a daily basis, you know, for an hour, you would just, you know, you can, they can kind of check out on you. So you have to make it fresh, new, um, and they need to know the importance of that. And they do, but they're also high school kids. And yeah. so you you need to keep them engaged with you. And I think that's um, – we had uh, a, a television guy, Nick Krupke from um, – Yeah. Yeah, he came and did a story um, on us my, my last year there um, in January, February. I can't remember when it was, but he – you know, he, he goes, just go, I'm going to just film a practice. I said, okay. And so we were, we were doing that first hour of stuff. And at the, you know, end of that, we took a quick water break and then we were going to move on with practice. And he goes, okay, cameras are off. You can, you know, you don't have to, uh, he goes, wow, you're, you know, you really showed up for that one. And, and I looked at him funny and my kids go, that's, that's how, what, that's just normal, you know? (laughs) And he thought I was kind of putting on for the camera, but I, I tuned that out. I forgot they were even there. You know, it's just, you have to drill, 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 drill. And, um, that's why they were so successful. That's why also that's, it's mental toughness too. I, I drilled them so hard and for so long that I knew when they walked out onto the competitive floor, they weren't, they were mentally tough. They, they were not going to let that pressure get to them. And they didn't, they were just clutch. I I had one um, coach friend of mine say that team is just clutch. They don't ever choke. And they really didn't. They really, that's why I think why we were so successful. We, we practiced the way we were going to perform every day. 
And that's, that's what it takes to be successful in, in, in the dance world. Yeah. Well, you know, talking about the, I don't know, the high school kid, any any person yeah. probably really, but especially high school kid, it's very easy, like you said, for them to, to check out or get checked out. Yeah. Um, and so you said you, you try to find ways to make that fresh or different. So how did you how did you do that every day? You know, we would do sometimes we'd compete with each other. So we I would say, you know, who can hold and probably these are dance terms. So Sure. You probably won't know what I'm talking about. Then that's fine. <laughs> um, we would say, you know, who can hold their their relabe or their passe the longest, and who and, and I would I would do things where um, I'd say, okay, now, so you can think of balancing on one foot. Now think of closing your eyes doing that, and we would do things like that, or we would um, kind of battle each other, and I'd pair them up, and we would, um, you know, it it anything I could think of that because they were such competitors. So they love the competition. So anything that you can do to, I mean, we tried to, you know, even we would surprise them with things at the end of the day too. Like, you know, we'd bring in pizza. Look, you guys worked your butts off today. Here you go. And they would never know things were coming, but they knew if they worked hard enough, um, they were going to get rewarded and their rewards too. They would always look up and just look at my face and they would know, was that a good one? You know, and I was very honest too. You know, if they didn't do well, uh, I'd tell them. You know, and they they knew. So I think empty compliments don't serve your team either, um, at all. But I just think I, I would sometimes get down on the floor with them and I'd dance along with them or I'd um, stretch along with them or warm them up, and they just loved it. And I would you know act like a lunatic and um, play around with them, and they liked that kind of stuff. But I just. I'd, making it fun. You has it has to be fun. Nobody works three hours a day, six days a week if it's not fun. So right. you, you got to keep that. And you know, when you're 14 to 18, it, you you can't have it all be work, or they're not going to stick around. Well, there's a lot of other things that they could go do with their time that would probably be a lot more fun if they oh, enjoy it or find it yes. rewarding. So Absolutely, you, you kind of have to. Yeah. If you go back to so you're at McKay from '95 to 2000, and you, you'd mentioned when you first got there that they didn't, they weren't really a program that had been state finishers or, or anything right. necessarily like that. Yeah. Um, so yeah. built them up a little bit, and then obviously in 1999 you win what was your first state championship and right. the state title at McKay. Take us back to that. Like, what did that mean for you personally? And then what did that mean for McKay as a, as a dance program? That was crazy. I was not expecting it actually. Um, you know, I was just having a good time and, <laughs> but the year before <laughs> we had gotten second and um, that, I think that is when I finally kind of go, Whoa, you know what? we could actually win this thing. Um, and so we just, that was kind of our, our goal that year, honestly. What, yeah. I mean, to win a state title, um, in, in 99 and I had the, so the team I had were the seniors were the freshmen I had started with. And so they kind of, um, kind of had, you know, had this journey with me and they were at a skill level because we had gone back to the basics. Um, and I think the, the coach prior to me, I don't even remember who that was. I don't know if I ever met her. I think I did. Um, and not to say anything bad about her, but I don't think they, they concentrated on really teaching the skills of dance. They just threw a fun 
show out there. Um, And so I went down and really, you know, made them be true athletes and learn the, the, the skills and, and everything for it. But I can remember the parents, the, the first year that they placed that first, I mean, they, they were so happy. And by then they understood my crazy and what I was trying to do. And they, they got on board and then we kept getting more and more successful. And, um, yeah, I, that year we won, with McKay, that was, that was pretty special. I mean, your first one's always going to be, you know, it's going to stick out in your head for sure. Um, and you know, my whole family was there. My kids were super tiny. Um, and it was just a, it was neat. I I don't know how well stick described that is, but it was, it was special. Yeah, that's special. So McKay is is here in, in Salem where a lot of people listening already know that's where I coach. And we've had a few coaches from Salem around. But then you you end up transitioning about a year or so later in 2000 to Staten. And you had mentioned earlier that it's your alma mater. So right. um, a lot of people listening aren't going to have any idea of what Staten is or where it is or the, yeah. just anything about it. So if you could just kind of describe it for, for people who know nothing about Staten, how would you kind of describe that place? Um, well, it's a little rural town. It's about, I don't know, 15 miles or so east of Salem, kind of on your way to, you know, Bend. It's on Highway 22. And um, it's it's a small little town. It It's very, um, I would say the, the, it's a, like a family little community, you know, that everybody really knows each other. And um, my kids, I knew we're going to go to school here. And so, and I had always lived here and I thought this would be a great, their head coach at the time had approached me and said, Hey, would you like to come on um, as an assistant? I said, no, I don't, you know, I didn't want to go backwards. And so we became co-head coaches um, that first year. And then she left and then I just took over the program. But Staten is very um, well, it, I will state is a very, um, the high school itself is, is very s- strong in athletics, you know, but it was more mainstream. So it was the volleyball, basketball, football, those kinds of things. So dance was kind of, wasn't that big of a deal. Um, but then we came kind of a big deal, uh, <laughs> yeah, with <you> winning <laughs> so many, um, titles and, and so it, they, they were, they, they got more supportive. I will just say that it, it, it wasn't great in the beginning. Um, I wasn't really welcomed by the other coaches there, um, at first. And that's probably not a popular thing to be talking about, but I, I wasn't, you know, they, they, they just thought I was taking all the good female athletes, um, mm-hmm. instead. So, um, but it, it got better, it, you know, as we went, it got better. I think they started to respect the program and me. So some of the things with dance that I imagined being difficult, you had kind of alluded to it in passing earlier is just a simple 
space to practice, right? Um, yeah. <laughs> for like, I, just thinking for me, for like as as a baseball program, we don't have like an indoor hitting facility or anything, so we have some batting cage nets that are up in in the East Gym in our school. And a lot of the years we've had to wait till like even youth basketball was done practicing, so we'd be getting up there like eight right. or eight thirty at night, yeah, um, because yeah. we're just kind of the leftovers for that. And right. so um, I imagine at small school uh, also with dance, obviously the the priority level, especially when you're first starting out with gym space, even. Oh, yes. That was probably the biggest fight of my career, honestly. Mm-hmm. If I, you know, we were shuffled around everywhere. And um, I don't know if it was just my age or I was just done and tired with it. But I, about, <laughs> I'm trying to think when I finally just said, I'm done. I'm done going to other schools. I'm done going to the grade school, the middle school, or whatever. I'm a varsity level sport. We are successful. I've got 36 kids on this roster. We deserve to be practicing in our own school, in our own facility. So um, I think it was probably maybe five or six years before I left. So I had been coaching for a long time. And I just went to my AD and I said, look, I, I know gym time is really, you know, scarce and, and all that, but these kids are going to practice here period. And he, he worked with me and we, we got, um, you know, gym time and I'm, you know, then it made me think, huh, why was I over there for 15 years if, uh, we could have done this? <laughs> well, yeah, you're just saying that. And I thought, oh, yeah. she's going to be like, and so then, you know, three years in, I walked up and said, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, no, it was, it was crazy. Years. And I, <laughs> we would, I can remember we would practice in the middle school. That was our normal spot where we practice. Mm-hmm. And the, the gym size is so much smaller. So we would always have to redo everything we did when we actually got to the competition floor because, you know, a middle school floor is like 10 feet shorter than a, a high school. Mm. And, and it was dirty. Those kids would have recess on there. So I would bring mops and I would mop that floor every day before practice. And, and I just said, I'm kind of done with all this. And, um, but yeah, so we, we finally got our own gym and it was, it was lovely. <laughs> it was way uh, better. Not, not excusing it at all, but there's a book. I don't know if you've read it or heard of it called The Talent Code. And in The Talent Code, this guy basically went around and found some of the most successful teams of all the in all over the world and stuff like that. And one of the things that he found is that oftentimes the best performing teams actually have some of the not best facilities. And he's yes. he kind of wrote about how there's there's a certain grit and like yeah. um us against the world sort of a feeling that comes with that. Do you yeah. think that kind of fit in with your program? Cause like I said, I thought you were going to say like in 2003, you know, two years in, I told them, I oh, the no. Gym's no, so yeah. you're like 15 years in basically. Oh, so yeah. For yeah. the majority of your state titles were one when you guys were practicing all over the place and not certainly not in your own, your own high school's facilities. Oh no. I, I mean, all the way through, I can totally relate to that. Yes. What, what you just said, but I, even my daughter, I can remember my daughter's, my youngest, um, which was number 12. Yeah. Our 12th title. Uh, we were still at the middle school. So, um, yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah, we just, and we didn't, we just, you know, we didn't complain about it daily or anything like that. We just did what we did. And, um, and I really did that in front of the kids. I'd, I'd always just go to my athletic director and say, hey, mm-hmm. can we can we work this out? Because this is not this isn't great. You know, like you said, like you've had, you know, you'd have youth kids in there before or even like, 
you know, adult male volleyball or something. And I'm just yeah. like, hmm, these are the kids that actually go to school here. Let's let's change yeah. this. Let's look at this a little bit. Yeah. I had a similar conversation because that was one of my points I came back to is like, you know, it, it seems very unfair that the high school kids that like go to this high school right. have to wait for fourth graders to finish playing yeah. basketball before they can use the, the gym in their high school. It's like, yes. this, this doesn't really make sense. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. We, you know, we do those first years. The only time we could really get our gym is on Saturdays or early morning. So we would, we would do like five thirty practices sometimes in the morning. And, um, we, you know, every Saturday we practiced, uh, cause we could have a long practice that was uninterrupted on a, on a Saturday morning and we'd go in there and, and, and work and, you know, to get high school kids up on a Saturday morning at, you know, 7am is, you know, they yeah. have to be dedicated to to do it for four hours. And yeah. Well, that's what you, you had mentioned that when you first took over or were co- coaching at Staten, the numbers of the, the kids in the program weren't very high. And then over the course of time, you grew it from, you know, 16 to 30, 35, like really large amounts of kids. And again, right. going back to like the things you're describing don't exactly sound like the most fun in the world, like 530 practices, seven o'clock practices, Saturday yeah. practices, all yeah. the pressure, the expectations. So to what do you give credit for that, that like, Exp- like it's just insane growth. Like you doubled, or in some cases, a little bit more than double the numbers of people when you first arrived. Yeah, I I think um, going into it, I I was conscious of the fact that okay, we need to give a full experience. It can't just be uh, practice and competition. It needs to be a, a a real family environment and a um and a full experience. So we we would do things like fun things with them um, that have nothing to do with dance, but to get them excited about the program, we would do um, getaways for um, a weekend. We would take, you know, we'd fundraise for all this, but we would take the kids to, to, you know, Sun River or we take them to the coast or whatever. And we'd give them these um, fun experiences. We'd always do a really fun, um, big theme reveal party, which we would, uh, reveal what we were going to do for the season and all our routines and stuff like that. I'd invite the parents, I'd invite all the kids and, um, we would cook for them at, at my house and we have a big backyard. So we would do a big thing in the summer and, um, just all the little things we would do, you know, different little fun things with the kids all throughout the year, all throughout the season. Um, I would check in with them constantly. Um, and, just, just to make sure, look, we would have meetings every week. Um, usually at the, either a Friday or Saturday practice. And we would just, um, we, we would talk for hours and hours and hours if needed, you know, we would get all the dirty laundry out or we would talk about fun, happy things too. And you have to make sure that the, you know, and I hate to be stereotypical, but you know, girls can have some issues and drama. And you need to make sure that you squash that immediately. Nothing should ever um, be them against, you know, there's the clickiness cannot happen. Once you have that kind of stuff, you're done. So you've, you, you just got to make it a full, healthy, you know, experience for them to be around. And when they come into the gym, it's a happy place. And I, so many of my girls 
all of them really, they said, when I walk through the door, it's like, this is my escape. It's I'm done with the day. I, I can leave whatever happened at home, home, and I can just be here. And it was a good place for them. And they all have said that. So I think if you can give them that kind of environment and that kind of experience, they're going to come back and they're going to want it. Like that was their family. And it's sad, but for some of those kids, it was almost their only family they had, you know? Yeah. And that same article that I, I read about you again, I think is in going into your last year, you said that you've made a difference in so many lives through tough love, belief, yeah. and giving them a safe place to be. And so when I, when I first read that, I remember just nodding my head, like, you know, okay, tough love. Yep. That's giving kids what they need, right? Mm -hmm. Belief, which is giving kids hope. They have to have hope, right? And then a safe place, which is probably the the foundation for everything. It has to be a place where kids feel accepted. Um, So uh, I I guess, is that a philosophy you walked in with day one back all the way back when you were 26? Is that something that you discovered over time? Like, how'd you come, how'd you come into that? Uh, at 26, no. I mean, because I didn't even, you know, I didn't know what, what, what kids needed, honestly. Um, yeah, it was definitely something that was built over time. Like you watch kids and then you, you see kind of, hmm, she's having a hard day. What's going on there? And you kind of get to the bottom of things and you talk to them. And, um, honestly, when my kids, my own kids got to be um, old enough to where they were on my team, I that is when it really became crystal clear to me, wow, what I'm really asking of these kids and what they're giving me because I would, you know, we'd leave the gym and, and I'd go home and they'd go home and I, you know, that was that. But when I had to bring my own kids home, from a three-hour practice and they are dying and their bodies hurt and they still have to do homework and they have to eat and they have to do this. Um, it gives you a little bit more empathy and um, understanding for what these kids do. And my kids had a great, you know, home life and structure. And But what about these kids who, who go home and don't have any food to eat and don't have a parent there and don't have any, you know, support? And so I, I became that for a lot of kids and my assistant coach too, you know, and we just really, um, we just cared for these kids. I mean, it's, you know, it, sometimes it's all they have and you need to really take that to heart and understand that, you know, you're, and, and also your words, you know, I'm tough and everything, but you need to make sure your words aren't going to cut somebody to where, um, it's going to do some damage. So, Yeah. It's definitely a learning process. Also looking at assistance, which you just mentioned, um, again, I'm just thinking of in state and it's, it is a smaller community. And so the pool of human beings from which to pull assistance is smaller. What was your experience like with, with like finding assistance, but then also keeping them around? Well, I had one constant, um, uh, Alyssa and, and she was, um, my assistant from my first year as, so she, I, I coached her as um, as a dancer, and she graduated in '02, and then in '03, I I was um, head coach all by myself. And I asked her; I knew she was going to stick around here for college. I said, "Hey, would you want to be my assistant?" And she said, "Yes." And she stayed with me until the end. So um, <laughs> we were together that wow. whole time, and th- I think that does make a distance or, or, or um, a difference. You know, consistency yeah. 
in your coaching staff is, and we've, and we did pull in, um, like my oldest or my youngest daughter, she was with us for a time, um, until she moved out of the area and, and other, you know, assistants, but nobody that was constant, like, like her. Yeah. That's really hard to find. Um, I I just think of like, as a head coach, one of the biggest stressors I think is just that of you always, you need help. Obviously you can't just do this thing alone. You need good help. You need people who care about kids. And beyond that, like I need people who know how to coach baseball. And then obviously with dance, there's that added layer of like in baseball, I, I need you to fit within our philosophy, but there's a lot of flexibility in in dance when you have a a routine, right? Like going back to the drill sergeant thing, like everybody's got to be on board. And I imagine that being really difficult, but having someone who's there that long, lucky, that's awesome. Yeah, no, I feel extremely lucky, lucky and blessed to, to have had her and, and, and we're amazing friends. Like we are still in contact and, you know, see each other all the time. So, um, she was just like, and, and you need to cl- be able to click. And and she always said, mm. I know my place. I know my place as an assistant. My, my place isn't the head coach. That's you. And so it was never a power struggle ever. And I think that is huge um, with, with your staff. If, if they, everybody knows their role, everybody knows their place and what's expected of them. And um, we both, we got that, you know, we worked so well together. One of my favorite things about being an assistant, I haven't been one for a long time now, but was uh, when there was a parent issue, it was always kind of like, well, that sounds like a difficult thing that you have to deal with, <laughs> Mr. Head Coach. <laughs> yes, absolutely. I Yes. But, you know, we were always very much a team in that. Um, we were just really careful. We never spoke to a parent alone and we never spoke to a kid alone. We were always together. So, um, and I just think that's important for, for new coaches. Don't get yourself in a situation, especially nowadays, like you need to have someone there with you at all times. Um, you know, regardless of what you're discussing or talking about, but I just think it's really important to, to have those boundaries and make sure that you're there with, um, somebody who can, you know, verify what was said and that yeah. kind of thing. Big time. When yeah. you think of, of Staten, obviously, uh, coached there for a really long time. It's your home. You raised your kids there. But um, when you think of in reverse of how the the Staten highlights maybe impacted the town, uh, what comes to mind? Oh, wow. It was pretty cool. Um, <laughs> this is funny. Uh, my youngest sometimes would say, yeah, I'll have my jacket on mom and I'll, I'll be around town. And she goes, sometimes I feel like a celebrity and <laughs> it, it, it's just funny. Cause it is such a small little town and, and, you know, they see that highlight name. And, um, I, one little story, I was just in the produce section of our local Safeway here. And I kind of felt this man and his little daughter kind of behind me and kind of looking at me the whole time I was, you know, picking out my tomatoes or whatever. And he goes, can, she just really wanted to meet you. Could she just, and she was like five, you know? And, and I said, oh my gosh, yes, of course. And it, so it is, you know, that kind of responsibility to always make sure you're representing, um, you know, in a, in a good and respectful way to your program. But, um, we did have a, we had a tragedy here, 
um, where um, somebody actually it was um, Ty Hart. I don't know if you know Hart Strong and all of that. With um, but Ty was in my oldest daughter's class, and so when he was killed. Um, we dedicated that whole season to him and um, his mom, Trisha, was a, a, she was a highlight too on Staten's team and back in the day when my husband was in high school. And um, that that community just rallied around that family, rallied around us. And it was, you know, that's something you're probably not going to get in a bigger city or a bigger school. So those are the really, really important, impactful things from a small community, I think. It's obviously just kind of listening to you, uh, the family part is obviously super important, um, but not easy uh, for any coach. But just thinking of the the time commitment involved in coaching and then especially dance, just because of like we've talked about before, the just the time commitment it takes to like really learn how to do all the and then yeah. just like the warm up itself. Like, I mean, you're yeah. an hour before you're really diving into like, right. quote unquote, like practice stuff. Right. So mm-hmm. um you married in 1989. You've got two daughters. Obviously, you talk about coaching. Um, how were you able to figure all that out? Like being a parent, being uh, a wife, being a coach, like there's there's no, I don't know if there's like a, a rule book that anyone has given when they first become a parent, <laughs> like of like, here's how yeah. to do it. But um, what that, did you find that worked for you? Um, you know, that's a lot of tr- trial and error because, you know, sometimes I would... <laughs> In the earlier days, we, you know, I'd come home from practice or on the way home from practice in the car. Those were always real <laughs> intense <laughs> times, especially if I was, you know, really on one that practice. But um, it just became a rule that we don't talk about it in the car mm. ride home because everybody's emotions are heightened if it didn't go well that day or, you know, so we, you know, tried to tried to stop it there. I was not successful all the time at that. (laughs) Um, you know, and you, you, I don't know if you're, if you're married or not, but you're, um, okay. So, you know, the spouse of a, of a head coach takes a lot too. They have to, you know, be able to, um, listen to you and, you know, support you in the ranting and the raving a lot when you come home. Um, <laughs> you're chuckling, so I, I know that you yeah. you know that, and they get sick of it too. They don't, you know, oh, yeah. they they are just okay. I know you're okay. I don't want to hear about it anymore. But um, he was always really, really good. I mean, there were moments when he wasn't, but there were, you know, there's <laughs> when all of, and then he's with you know two daughters on the team. His wife is the coach of the team, and you know, poor guy, he's stuck here with all three of us. But. Um, <laughs> Those were also some of my greatest memories of of just watching my my two daughters together out there. Uh, you know, that's that's something that um, not a lot of coaches get to experience. So I'm very aware that that was a super amazing experience for me and blessing to be able to coach them and um, you know, and, and they both got four titles out of it too. So that was yeah, that was pretty, pretty cool. cool. Yeah, it was neat. Yeah, you it's can probably hard. count those as separate titles for everyone in the family, so you can kind of multiply them. <laughs> Exactly. I think of I think of like my so my son's three years old and I'm currently watching him in the backyard uh, take his pants down to pee on a tree <laughs> and that's the life I'm living right now. But I, I imagine him. You know, I don't know if I'll still be coaching. Who knows what the world will will look like and what I'll be doing. But uh, yeah. you know, for a lot of coaches um, in sports, when they're if they do end up coaching their own children, 
um, in a lot of sports, right? There's the whole like, uh, you know, she's in the starting lineup because you yes. know her mom's the coach, or whatever. Right. Is there kind of an equivalent to that in dance? Is that is there that same kind of feeling of of I don't know, maybe like outside pressure that you or your daughter oh, yeah. felt? Yeah, one hundred percent. And I was um, lucky enough to where they were both extremely good, so I didn't ever have to like you know. Mm-hmm pick and choose or make that hard. Um, they were always very talented. Um, and they, they probably, they worked harder than anybody and they had to because, uh, of that pressure. So they just, you know, I can remember, you know, like they were just so, so sick. And that was when you could go to school sick, but, um, so, you know, and, <laughs> yeah, and right. they're like, and I'm like, Belle, you, you gotta, you gotta stay home or like, you gotta stay home. And, and, uh, no, no, I can't, I'm going and I'm going to practice and, you know, mom, if I don't go, there's no way I'm not going to not go. You know, it was that kind of a thing. And they, so they did feel that, but they were extremely competitive. So, um, and so was I, and I would always say, look, if you can't get this, or if you can't be in this one section, if this is too hard or you can't master this, I, sorry, I don't know. It <laughs> comes down to winning. So I'm going to put the best people in there. And they're like, absolutely. Absolutely. So yeah, it is hard. That they were good. Yeah. It yeah, really not experience they, they were really bad. <laughs> oh man. I know. Oh, that would have been horrible. But no, they were really oh, good. I didn't gosh. have to ever be put in that position. So thank God. Yeah. You know, one of the interesting things that um you you mentioned early on was that you, you became a judge for a while, right? For quite a while yeah. actually, and yeah. got deep into that, which I think mm-hmm. Like I, I feel like it'd be really good for every coach to be an official in whatever their sport is for a while I for agree. a lot of reasons. Yeah. Um, as as a judge, and then now uh, now uh, and then after coaching for a really long time, um, one of the things I think that coaches from other sports probably might have a difficult time wrapping their minds around is that during a competition, uh, there's no like it's, it's you can't just look at the scoreboard and be like, oh, we're down three to one right now, right? right. Like it's just. I imagine, yeah. I'm trying to figure out how to phrase this. Like you, you watch another team perform, and let's say they get a, an amazing score. Um, you can't like you can't like focus on that because the only thing you can focus on, right, is your own routine. Yeah. But I imagine that being very difficult with anybody, but then especially again talking about high school kids. Right. And with, with dance, we don't know our scores until the whole thing's over and all the placements right, yeah. have been awarded and everything. So we have no idea if we were 10 points ahead or 0.1 ahead or anything like that. So um, you have no idea. Um, and, you know, back in now they just do one round competitions. But for the majority of my career, there was two rounds. So um, you did a first round and then you had a break and then you went back and you did a second round and they would add those scores together. And that was the winner. So you wouldn't even know then most, you know, you don't know who was ahead, you know, first, like, especially with state competition, they were on different days. So we'd compete Friday night, you'd go home or go to the hotel and then come back Saturday for finals. And you had no idea what your placement was um, for the most part. And then they started to do in between rounds, like um, the last few years I was at, which was nice because in a way you, I enjoyed that. Um, I was always just sick to my stomach before I looked at those because I didn't know, oh my gosh, this is going to be a not great day if we are down or for whatever. But if we're up 
by a lot, then, you know, not that we would ever let down, but you can kind of breathe a little bit um, going into that final round. But that's hard. I mean, yeah, I look at other, like, you can look at a scoreboard and, you know, anything, but this, you just, you just have to know you did your job out on the floor. That's it. You got to do your job. My favorite things to get into also, yeah, it's maybe not the most fun thing, but we talked about it a little bit earlier is fundraising. And yes. you'd mentioned, yeah. um, I mean, as is probably true for pretty much everybody of a high school team, you really don't get much money if at all from the school. So like no. anything you want to no. do, like you've got to go no, find no. money yeah. somewhere. Right. And so yes. you, you'd mentioned, I mean, just everything that goes into running the program anyway, but then you also mentioned some getaways and, and different things like that. And so, um, over the course of your career, what were some of the, you know, better fundraisers or more creative fundraisers, uh, whichever direction you want to go, um, that you found worked really well for you guys? Um, you know, we use, can I say company names? Is that fine? <laughs> sure. Go crazy. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, we used adrenaline fundraising uh-huh. for, we yeah. did cookie dough cells, um, for years and Michael, um, loved working with it. We were the, top fundraiser in cookie dough for any sport and anything he had in the whole state. And so we just, we, again, we would put an expectation on that. You have to sell this amount, period. You just have to. And they would, you know, and we would make a lot of money doing that. We, one of the things that probably was our biggest fundraiser is we started a dance camp in summer and um, it started just with our team and um, our little like middle school teams around here. And then um, other high schools started hearing about it. And so we started inviting them. And by the end, uh, my last year there, I mean, we had, you know, 250 kids paying $85 each um, to this camp. And uh, that was huge. That was a huge fundraiser for us. And, you know, we had instructors and, you know, overhead and costs and things like that. But um, that one was really good. And it was great for our community, too, because then we'd put on a huge showcase that was free and everyone could come and they could watch all of these kids and everything they've learned for the three days. And um, that was huge. Uh, You know, the the car washes and the things like that, they don't really make much money, but it was nice to get them visible in the community. And so those were that we still did those things because I wanted them out there and I wanted um, people to see them as a team and, and um, you know, a community group. And we'd, we'd have um, parades, you know, for 4th of July and things like that. We'd always do a float. We'd always, you know, just, just try to get them out there to volunteer or, um, you know, the Harvest Fest is out here. They, they would be there. They'd be at the rodeo. They'd, they'd just be at all these events. Um, I think you can get your 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 kids visible in in your community and and show that they are trying to do good. That people, when you go around and, and sponsorships, you know, just different businesses would sponsor us too. You need to get them out there so they know who they're sponsoring and why they're doing it. Yeah, I think there's always like that feeling that every generation has, right? Of like teens these days are you know useless or whatever. And so yeah, I think to your point, there is it's really good even if it's maybe not making a ton of money or money, any money at all like just being in a parade right it's just right being visible and yeah. on the back end of that right you can you can make some money right, right. but yes on the front yes. end it's just being good people and and having fun even and i think that's a good deal oh, for everybody 
absolutely and passing out candy to little kids and mm-hmm. and they would see them and you know the oh I want to be a you know a highlight one day or something and um I always I did always stress that especially at camp time and, and when we were out in public you know you're being an example and these little kids these little girls for the most part are looking up to you so you need to make sure that you know you're you're giving them something to look up to I've talked about that with other coaches before of um, usually we have a bat boy or, you know, you know, one of the coaches kids or somebody or at practices, we'll have some of the youth baseball players around. And so there's almost always someone that's, you know, anywhere from six to 10 years old around our kids. And I think there's something that's so valuable for high school kids when you have a little kid around yes. because yeah. it, it makes them immediately become different in a very positive way and they start understanding how to carry themselves and how they'll start seeing the kid do things they're doing whether it's the right thing or wrong thing to do and it just like I think it's so valuable it's cool for the little kids for sure but I think from a high school perspective it's amazing for high school kids right it teaches them to be a little um, Mm self-aware you know of what they're saying and doing for sure I, I think it's so valuable yeah what about when girls left so obviously you you know you had huge success, but eventually every senior graduates and um, they walk out the door for quote unquote the last time. Right. So over your years, what kind of things did you do for seniors um, in like kind of a celebratory way? Boy, some of those senior classes were just so hard to let go of. Um, I, you know, probably (laughs) it's not the greatest politically correct thing to say, but some are, some are harder to to say goodbye to than, than others. Um, You just have different bonds with them, but um, we would always do, you know, special gifts and spe- we would always take them, try to take just the seniors and uh, Alyssa and I, uh, my assistant coach, you know, we'd do dinners with them or just even bring them over to to my house and, and we'd do some something just us uh, a couple times during the year. Um, and we we put not pressure, well, maybe pressure, I guess, on them, but they, they knew their role too. Those seniors were the leaders of that team and they needed to act that way. And so their behavior was always, you know, even more scrutinized than the rest of the team. But um, I think the last, well, obviously with COVID and what happened, you know, we, we were a week away from our, our state championships when it all shut down. And um, that senior class, I just, they were just devastated. And I mean, I was devastated, you know, that was my last year too. And, um, I just remember having this, we went over to my assistant's Lissa's house, um, before practice that, that day that it happened. And I mean, you know, the tears and the, the sobbing was just awful, but I said, okay, we can either just not go to the gym today or we can go to the gym today. And, we all decided we're going to the gym today. And that day had, we had a tradition every year, um, like the week before state, we would have a alumni that was in the area come and surprise that year's team. Um, and we would, they would perform for them at the end of the practice. And that was the day it was happening was the day that it, we got word that our championship had been canceled and we were still allowed to have practice. So we, we went, and, um, we put them in costume and we had a practice and we 
put on a performance for the alumni. And when that alumni walked in, I mean, the tears were ridiculous. And I, you know, Alyssa goes, we're getting, we're going to call any parent we can get to get down here. So we called the, any, any parent that was able, they came down to, and, and we had this moment with them. And, and that was, I'm so glad we did that because we got one last, you know, performance, one last, um, time with those kids. And then it was COVID. And so we always had an end of the season banquet, but we couldn't. Um, but I did get permission to do one with just the seniors and their parents. I, it was under 25 people, so I could, we could do it. And we, we did have a, a really big celebration for them. Like we went all out for them because it was, you know, they, they got robbed at that. So. Is there any part of you that wants to go back to coaching again and, and finish out your final year? Um, no, <laughs> <laughs> I I did feel go. that way for a while, but yeah. um, being away from it now for a couple of years, I, I, I mean, I don't think I could do it. It's just a very different time now. I'd love to see what we were going to do, like that final routine. Right. I'd love to see it on the Coliseum floor. Um, that I do have a huge, you know, regret and wish it, wish that could have happened, but um. As far as going back to coaching, I just don't think it was time for me to go. Like I was re- like that was my last year, you know, I already, you know, announced my retirement and things. So I was ready. Um I miss I do I did did consulting this this past year for a team, mm, nice. um for a 6A team and um I did some work for them and um did a little bit of, you know, the forms and staging choreography for them. And that was really that was just enough. It was, it was like, I could get my creative, you know, um, little fix without having to do any of the stuff that we don't want to do. <laughs> we don't want to yeah, do with right. the, you know, the, all the other stuff that you have to do the paperwork and all that. Um, so, so you're, I think, you're not going to go become a judge anytime soon. No, no. I've been asked <laughs> several times, but, um, <laughs> I just, I think that part is, is done for me. And, um, you know, getting my little fixes here and there is great, but I, you know, family is, is growing and got a new grandbaby. And so it's just, you know, it's time for, for them to take the front seat instead of, um, you know, dance and yeah, coaching. It, it takes a lot of your time, as you know, oh you know, my gosh, it does. Never yeah. Well, I just, I had mentioned to you, I think this was off air that I mentioned um, where this, that they were recording. This is a Sunday and our football team on a Friday had their game canceled yeah. due to smoke and haze yeah. and moved to Saturday when we run the, we run a concession stand, the baseball team does at all football games. So it's like, Oh my gosh. So now what should have been a nice relaxing weekend. Now I've got oh. to hustle and get things ready for concession stand and yep. find a place for a kid to go. So my wife's going to help me. It's just like, there's just, it, it's, Hard to explain because I think, yeah, yeah. well, yeah, people ask all the time, you know, if you're just getting coffee to drive through something, oh, what do you do? I'm a teacher and a coach. Oh, what do you coach baseball? Oh, that must be fun. It's like, I don't have the mental bandwidth to like even (laughs) start the explanation of like, it's fun, I guess. But there's just, there's so much that goes into it that people who maybe don't coach, like could never in the nicest way, could never really fully grasp or understand. No, it's, it's almost impossible to explain to someone who has no idea. You know, it, 
it's like trying to explain how, what it is like to be a parent to someone who's not, you know, it's, it's impossible until you experience it. So, um, that's why I think, you know, I, I always used to say, oh, I'll be doing this in my, you know, nineties in my wheelchair or whatever, but Mm. there come, there just came a point where I loved it so much and it was all consuming. You know, when I was in, I was in and there, you know, I was, and I don't know if you feel this way, but sometimes you'll, you know, you'll be with your family. You'll be physically present, but your mind is going Mm all in different directions. And okay, I can fix this part of this here. Okay, okay when I get to practice tomorrow, I'm going to do this, you know, it, it's just, um, it's a great and amazing experience. And I would never want to change anything, you know, about that or not have done it. But um, it, I, it just takes so much out of you that, you know, it was just time, it was time to retire and be done. And and move on to other things. So now that you've had uh, a couple years to kind of reflect on it, and then obviously a ton of success, I don't know that we'll ever have as decorated a person just in terms of state titles on here as you just, uh, just incredible. But now that you've had a chance to reflect, uh, if you had to answer this question, and I guess you do, because now we're asking it, <laughs> what would, or what should the ultimate kind of goal of high school athletics be? Oh, Wow. I don't know if it's just one thing. I mean, as a coach, your your goal, if you're going to coach high school kids, and I think it's different at the high school level, college level, pro level, but at high school, you are still helping kids to grow up and to um, figure out who they are and, and, you know, that safe place. So your ultimate goal as a goal as a coach is at a at a high school level it has to you have to, to put those kids first like their experience and their safety mentally and physically have to come first but also if you're not striving to be the best at something to me and this is just my opinion why are you doing it like if you're not striving to be the very best I just feel like all of the hard work, it, that's just kind of a waste of time. You can you can kind of say, well, it is for the experience. And yes, absolutely. And giving those kids some place to be, but also giving them a goal to achieve and something to strive for. I mean, man, they, they need that for their whole life. And so if you teach them, look, hard work pays off. And man, that was something that came out of my mouth, you know, constantly. But it does. Hard work does pay off. And if you keep your eye on the prize and you are all in and everybody is all in, you're going to get there. I I firmly believe that because talent is talent. But I mean, at Staten, I mean, we did not have these prima dancers. We had no studios. We had no nothing. So when I got them, they were raw for the most part. And they and they did it because of will. And hard work. That's what got them that state title. Yeah, I think for people who, like we said earlier, who maybe don't know much about state and you're not exaggerating. This is not you're not no. taking, you know, we're not in the middle of New York City here. Uh, no. And it just it goes to show. Um, and even winning at McKay, I mean, Salem's not necessarily the known for its huge dance community either. And I think no, just no. Um, what you were able to do over the course of your career is is outstanding. And yeah. Um, just and really I think, appreciate you coming on. Yeah. Oh, thank you. I think I think one of my um, 
most proud moments too is is that we a lot of those state titles we weren't just the winner in our division but we were the overall state champion in all divisions and so we did beat those big you know <laughs> big portland schools in our little bitty town yeah. so that was that was something to really they could take pride in too yeah, something really yeah. cool to hang your hat on. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, before we go, I, yeah, I don't know if there's anything maybe you thought we'd get to, anything we missed, but just wanted to hand the mic back to you one more time, Robin, and let you say whatever whatever's left. Uh, well, I just appreciate this uh, opportunity to to talk about it. I you know haven't talked about dance in in a long time, so I, I appreciate the opportunity and um, uh, having me on your podcast. And um, yeah, it, it was a great. It was a great run and a great, great time. And I'm, I'm very, very thankful for all the memories and all the success we had and everybody who helped along the way and, and, and all the kids that I got to, um, to meet and their families and, and still in contact with. So yeah, it's been great. So thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Hey, you're awesome. Thank you so much. While Robin continues to enjoy the calm freedom of retirement, I know we're all just a little bit better than we were before we started the episode. You know, whether you coach dance or football or lacrosse or baseball like me, there were so many valuable lessons in here that can help you and your program. And it just goes to show once again that it doesn't matter what sport you coach, you can learn so much from each other. And that's one of the best things about the High School Coaches Club. If you aren't signed up yet for the weekly newsletter, or if you haven't picked up some High School Coaches Club stickers, you should definitely do so. Head on over to highschoolcoachesclub.com to get started. Don't forget to leave a rating or a review if you're listening on Apple Podcasts. And no matter where you're tuning in, hit that subscribe button. Most importantly, though, if you found any value at all from this episode or any previous episode, and obviously you have because these coaches are phenomenal, please share this on social media. Uh, or via email or, you know, through the old fashioned word of mouth. Doesn't matter how you do it. Just find a way to bring a few more listeners in who might benefit. That's how we all get better. And that's how we ultimately grow the club. Huge fist bump to Coach Meyer for jumping on the call with me. Thanks again to Netting Pros for sponsoring the episode and to you for clicking that play button. If you have any recommendations for people who should be guests on the show, be sure to reach out to me, even if that recommendation is you. Follow the club on social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook at HS Coaches Club. You can follow me on Twitter at Mr. Max Price and can reach me via email, max at highschoolcoachesclub.com. All right, that's it. That's all I've got. You're awesome. You matter. Thanks for all you do. And as Coach Lee would say, loving you. <laughs>